uh, one disclaimer before we begin. Uh, I no longer bring uh, CDs and the like because it's too cumbersome. Uh, it was a Yidat Tzaddik who uh, came to me a few years ago and asked to build a, uh, a website for the Shirm. I told him it's a little difficult because I speak all over the country about uh, the dangers of Internet. So uh, he told me, don't worry, it's going to be very, very clean. And whenever you mention it, just give the disclaimer, the only allowed to go on if you have a filter and an accountability program. So it's uh, terroristream.org. There are cards out there. There are no CDs, uh, just cards. And um, it's terroristream.org. And please don't go on unless your computer is set up. I don't want to be responsible for what you're doing afterwards. Uh, that's my disclaimer. We all know that Tisha B'Av, in the eyes of Chazal, is a day with tremendous potential. It was a day with tremendous potential when the Maraglim came back, and they had the courage to go forward. And it remains a day of tremendous potential, because in the seeds of the Gullahs lies the Gula. like to spend some time discussing today is how to utilize that potential, where we went wrong in terms of being able to deal with the Nisianis. And let me begin with the famous Gemara and Makis. You all know the Gemara, it's the Gemara at the end of Makis. Rabbi Kiva is walking with other Tanaim, and they walk by the Mokham HaMikdash, and they saw Sho'alim in the Mokham, and they started crying, and Rabbi Kiva was smiling. He says laughing, but that might be Lavdavka. And the gist of the Gemara was that every time they asked Rabbi Kiva, why are you smiling, if there's so much to cry about, he commented that this just gives me the Ability to see clearly that if all these Navuas came true, Lara, certainly the Navuas Lateva are going to come true. Pure conjecture on my part, but Rabbi Kiva was with many, many very Khoshava people. So what did he see that they didn't see? One thing I know to become a Balchuva at the age of forty and to start learning olive bays at the age of 40 takes not only a dedicated person, takes a very optimistic person. Most people get very aggravated and they waste a few hours and they say, ah, I said this to many bachar many times, the fact that you wasted half your seder doesn't mean the other half has to go down the drain. The fact that you wasted half your day doesn't mean the other half of the day has to go down the drain. And Rabbi Kiva said to himself, the fact that I wasted what might be half my life doesn't mean that I can't get up and set it straight now. That takes a tremendous amount of optimism. The ability to see that if things went wrong, that doesn't mean they're going to stay that way. And Rabbi Kiva not only had this outlook on life, but uh, he got up and he did it. And he made himself Rabbi Kiva. Turns out that the 40 years is only, Baruch Hashem, only one-third of his life. He lived till 120, but he didn't know that at the time. And most people go with an attitude that, okay, I messed it up already. What difference does it make? 
It's the first item that we all have to upgrade in our Vedas Hashem is not letting the Sahara into convincing us that uh, something went wrong and therefore it's too late to fix it. The way to connect with Akash Baruch Hu, not surprisingly, is the same way, as I will try to prove, it's the same way that we can connect with others, same way we inspire ourselves, the conduit to inspiring others. It's a very interesting morale that asks Akasha on the Gemara Megillah and Yedalaf Amad Aleph. The Gemara Darshan's the Pusuk. Afkam Zayis Biyetsim Beretz Aveim Lamastim Lagaltim Lachalasam Lafer BC Tom, you're all familiar with the Pusuk. Ini Hashem Elokehem. Gemara quotes Masnisin Tana, breaks up the Pusuk into four periods of history the Arba Golias. Masnisin Tana Lamastim Bimei Kazdim. I didn't completely reject Klai Yisrael Bimei Kazdim. That's the first Golas, the Bavliim. I gave them leadership. We had Daniel, Hanani, Mishal, Also, great leadership, able to inspire Klai Yisrael. And so far, leadership, leadership, and leadership. The last part of the Gemara, Lahafer, B.C. Etam, B'mei Romeim, times the Romans, Shemati Lehem, Beis Rebbe, V'chachmei Aderis. Here the Gemara focuses not only on leaders, but on Chachamim, Chachmei Aderis, Rebbe, put together the Mishnayis, the Hilagatana Rebbe, and Chachmei Aderis. Mara wants to know why is it that Chachmei Aderis is only emphasized by the last Gullus? And the first three talk about what the leadership accomplished. He says something very fascinating. We know that Bayez Rishon was destroyed because of Gilearayish, Fichazdam, and Avarazar. We know that Bayesheni was because of Sinas Chinam. Maral explains that the tikkun that was needed for Gilerai Shri Chazdam and Avadazar was taken care of one by one with the leadership that was provided. Daniel Hanani Meshav Isaiah, we know, stood up to Avadazar. Yochanetza put up at Salem, they wouldn't bow down. And that was the tikkun Keneged, the Avadazar, that was done by Bayez Rishon. Tkufa of Haman was all about. Haman didn't want to convert them. He didn't want to make them do Avarazar. He just wanted to kill them. Hence the Shvichas and the scare of the Shvichas and the coming out through Mordechai and Esther and their tshuva. Third one was Bimea Yivanim, which among many mitzvahs had a special focus on Pritzis and Gili Arayas. The actual battle from the Chashmanam started over a potential attack. If you're familiar with the Gemarang Subas, the Hegman. And that was the kapar for the Gilead Arias. The Romans came for Chorben Bayis, Shani. And here we have to machaper for Sinus Chinam. How do you cause Achtus in Klai Yisrael? It's a very deep side. So Achtus, be friendly. That's a start. 
They say good morning. You ask about their welfare. How do you connect with somebody? So the Maral says that the only surefire way to connect with somebody else is through Torah. For the men, straight limit of Torah. For the women, diktik ba'alacha and what Torah represents. But connecting through Torah. The universal language that Klai Yisrael speaks is Torah. The person you're talking to might not know Lashon HaKadosh. They might not know Aramaic. But it doesn't make a difference. The people here who spend many hours in the office, you have a grand opportunity in the office when you travel, when you vacation. You will come across thousands and thousands of people who don't know Benjamin and Muslim. And unfortunately, the uninitiated don't even think for a moment, I'm going to tell them about Torah, they're not from. They tell them about Torah, they don't know what Torah is, they don't know what Sinai is, they don't, they don't know anything. So there are always different Torah you could tell over. I, don't start with Rabbi Kivager. It's not going to resonate. Although if you say it in English, it probably will. But there's always some way you can connect. And for the women, not organized limit of Torah, but some inspirational thought that they, uh, that they thought of or that they heard, you'd be amazed how excited they get. First, you're talking to them. You're giving over part of our Maseri. That means that in your eyes, they're Jewish, which often they're, they're taught that we don't think they're Jewish. I've done it many times. I used to walk around, and I suggest you uh, sometime tonight just look over one or two things anywhere in Kula and come out with one or two vertlich one or two minutes long and put it in your pocket and have it ready whenever you bump into somebody. I had one favorite, which can't learn Torah on Tisha B'Av, so I'll just allude to it. And I've used this in taxi cabs. I've used this on airplanes. I've used this in all sorts of situations. It always got rave reviews. I didn't, it's not my own chiddush. I just told over a Rashi and Chumish, and I added a little bit from the Mepharshim. But it spoke volumes. Uh, there's a bird called a chasidah. It's a tray for bird. Rashi says it's called a chasidah because it does chesed with its friends. And everybody asks if it's so, it's such a high madrega and does such chesed, why isn't it kosher? And the answer is it only does chesed with its friends, not with people they don't know. That took me how long? 25 seconds? On so many levels, the responses I got from that, on so many deep levels, Basically, what we're telling them is that you're part of Klai Yisrael. We're one Klai Yisrael. It's the same terror, and it speaks to all of us. And the fact that I don't know you, I never met you, and I'm never going to see you again doesn't mean I shouldn't be reaching out to you. And the Maral says the only way to dispel, and this isn't only with fried people in Kirov. This is with from people. This is with your neighbor. This is with the person you're walking out of shul with. There are people who are not into it, who are not alive with their Yiddishkeit. And there are many reasons for this. Sometimes they never had the right education. They have problems. They have issues. We'll get to the problems and issues later. They feel that nobody really likes them. They don't have any friends. Reaching out with Torah cuts across all those lines. You're going over to them. You're talking to them. You're sharing something with them. You're asking them for a response. You're asking them what they think of it. You're asking them for any kashas they might have. You're talking to them in a way which makes them feel like an equal. 
It's amazing what you can accomplish. I know from people who um, have the good fortune of traveling. My father lives in Eretz Yisrael. So my parents come in. It goes onto the plane. He takes two of every safer, and he takes no hostages. If you're sitting next to him, you're fair game. Often six seats over. And it comes natural. So I'm sitting here learning. Is the yid over here not learning? He's staring at the space or staring at something worse? I'm just going to sit there and do nothing? So it's not just of art and Kirov. It could be from people, again, it doesn't make a difference where they're coming from. It's the fact that if they're sitting there wasting their time, there's obviously something missing in the excitement in Yiddishkeit. And if you want to get across to a person how much you love them and how much you care about them, the best favor you could do is to excite him about his Yiddishkeit, which is his whole Tachlas Achayim. And the Maharal says, that is why the Gemara says, Rebbe v'chachmei haderis. Because they were always learning. They were learning in the time of the Chashmanayim, and they were learning beforehand. They were learning since Mesha Misenai. But the first time they started writing it down and organizing, it was the time of Rebbe. It's the first time it started reaching even more people. And this erases Sinas Chinam. Nobody, they can have all the tannins in the world. We think you're Jewish, you don't think you're Jewish. You like me, you don't like me, you had a fight with me last week. It doesn't make a difference. You want to sit down and learn Black Gemara. You want to hear Rashi and Chumash. You want to hear Akasha, Teretz, Alocha, Ashkafa. Try it after Tisha B'Av. It's, it's incredible. No one ever has tainas. They might not like the pshat, so then you'll ask them for their pshat. But the Maharal says, this is the great unifier of Yiddishkeit and Yidin. A Ladavra, not that the Maharal needs any rayas, but it's actually a Beferisha mission in Avis. You all learned this Mishnah. Now that you're going to hear it, you can say, oh, that's, the, that's what it meant. Mission Avis, Paragvav, Mishnah Aleph, Rameir, Aimer, Kalaisi, Bateru, Lashma, Zech, Ladvarm, Harbeg. You learn Torah properly, you can be Zech to a lot of things. Nikra, Reya, Ohuv, Oyevis, Amokam, Oyevis, Abrius. That's odd. Reya, Reya means a friend. Oyevis, Abrius, a person who loves people. Terrorists, can I get kulam? See, I talk, call the guy from, call him a masmid, call him a... We don't normally associate learning and teaching with friendship, but that's exactly what the Mishnah just said. It's a way to connect. Again, male or female, it doesn't make a difference, it's just a different technique. The chayadam, speaking of traveling and going into work, chayadam in his agdama. Says something very interesting. If you don't know this, this might come as a surprise. The Chayadam is the household name Mipsach, probably the name before the Mishnah Bura. The last few hundred years, you have a Chayadam, the Kitzvah Shachanach, and the Mishnah Bura. Many more in between, but these are, these are all household names. Chayadam, for many years, was a businessman. Again, that business, like the Rambam says, you should do business. You work three hours a day, you learn nine hours a day, which I'm sure we're all doing because uh, the Rambam makes it sound like it's a chayv kaddish in every yid. I guess that was before you had to pay for uh, cell phones and life insurance and everything else. But there was a time in Klai Yisrael where that was standard. It wasn't so standard in the time of the Chayyadam, but he did it. He writes in Akdam, When people see I put out a sefer on Alocha, they're going to start whispering and wondering, Hagam What, the Chayyadam is writing a sefer? We knew he was always learning. We knew he was a smart, but he's writing a safer. He's one of the businessmen here in Leipzig. Yes, he's been doing that more than 15 years. 
Tarasa Amos Nasis. When did he learn? When did he have the ability to put out a safer? And we know he's been traveling all over. When did he have a chance to learn? He writes in his Agdama, I'm not traveling to get rich. I did whatever was absolutely necessary, the bare minimum. And if you go to work or you go on a business trip and you think that you can leave it all behind temporarily, it's not going to work. If you're doing your best and using all your available time, it's not going to leave you. And he says, when he went and when he traveled, his das was on it. When he was in the store between customers, his das was on it. And he says, I'm not trying to show off in print. Kimani says, I'm, I'm a nobody. I'm just doing my job. I'm only sharing this. People who are working make a big mistake, often. As they're traveling, and when they have downtime, they think that right now they're in a different matzah, so they're putter. Until they get on for nice day, until they get to Dafyemi. Maybe my children and my descendants will learn what it means to be meisa nefesh and create the time when you're not really occupied. And the reason I mention this here is because, as I said at the beginning, Dafka, the people who are out there, have the opportunity and the ability to not only increase their learning, but interact with the people that are coming to do business with them, the people that are coming into the store, the people that are coming to the meetings, the people that are on the train, the people that are on the plane. And not just for Talmud sake. Make it for the Chevershaf. Make it for the Avas Chinam. Make it for the Tikkun and the Sinas Chinam. And the Chayyadim says, I did it, I traveled, I was in it, and it's doable. There's even an old chaver of mine who, um, who put out the little business cards of a list of uh, hope kosher websites. Again, they're all kosher, but only for the uh, filtered computers. And he gave it to many businessmen who handed out to people who want to know, where do I go for the right terror? Where do I go? Where do I go for some lessons on A, B, C, D? It's a little cure of cards. People feel funny. I'm going to hand the Kirov card to somebody? The answer is once you start schmoozing and the guy gets excited about your vert, about the chasidah, you say, oh, you want to hear a thousand more of these? Take this. A little memento. That's avas chinam. That every yid makes a difference to you what they're doing with their life. Second great unifier in Klai Yisrael is tefillah. I'm sure you've noticed, unfortunately, in the past uh, month, Klai Yisrael has been doing a lot of it, and it's very inspiring when you see that people from all walks of life understand that davening works and we got to do it. 
I was in Israel at the beginning of the war, and I was uh, giving a shear in Eshatera, and one of the young Bachram who had just joined the yeshiva was on his path to becoming from, came over to me. The shear was about tefillah. He came over to me with the obvious question that he wasn't afraid to ask, but we all think about and don't verbalize. The day I got there was the day when Nebuchadnezzar found the three Kedoshim were killed pretty early on, and they were uh, buried somewhere near Hebron, and they found them. And Kleiswell had been davening very hard for a couple of weeks for them. And this is his first introduction to Judaism, and he's in yeshiva, and they're saying to him twice a day. He comes over to me and he says, you know, Rabbi, that was a very inspiring speech about prayer, but uh, I'm not sure it really works because uh, I just prayed for two weeks and uh, didn't do anything. Not only should you be prepared for that question, but you should know the answer in your sleep because uh, we should be asking the same question. The answer has uh, many angles. Uh, One is that tefillah is always going to a bank and they're never wasted if not for what we're davening for right now, but it'll come in handy for the next Saralayalainu that it shouldn't come, or if it comes, it should be over quickly. And we believe that, we have a Messiah for that, and we've seen it in action. What I wanted to tell this young man, but I think it would be over his head, was that the real reason he was standing here in Eshatera is because his great-grandmother, great-great-grandmother cried when their, her child went off the derech. And it didn't help her child, it didn't help her grandchild, it didn't help her great-grandchild. But her great-great-grandchild is talking to me right now in Yerushalayim. That's what I, if I had more time, I would have conveyed to him. But we, we believe in that. We have a Messiah for that. So every tefillah works, and it is a great unifier in terms of Avas Yisrael and Avas Chinam. It really unites people. We also know also part of a Maserah, many, many Chazals teach us that although we should never look for problems, there are enough problems around that our immediate reaction to a problem should be tefillah, and often that's why Akash Baruch Hu is sending the problem, because he hasn't heard from us, or he hasn't heard from us with this intensity. And he wants every matzav that we face in life to be dealt with the following steps. Step number one is the Gemara does say, but often that doesn't answer the question because good things happen to bad people and vice versa. And often people tell me, am I so bad that I have so many problems? The answer is, no, you're not so bad. You're not so bad and maybe you're actually better than most, which is why it's being sent your way. More often it's just a tool to be able to come closer to a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Everybody has their peckle. Everybody has their nisayan. We spend all of Tisha B'Av talking about national tragedies, but the day is a collective look at personal tragedies as well. And everybody has their own Nisayan. It's a very interesting Medrash. A Medrash Rabba. I even think, maybe it was 10, 11 years ago, I, I mentioned part of it in this, uh, in this venue. But it's important to keep it inside, to, to look at it inside and keep it in mind. Maiser Rab Shem ben Chalafta. Shem ben Chalafta was a Halakatana. Sheba Erev Shabbos v'lohayolom einlis parnes. He had nothing in the house. He had no money, no food. Shabbos is coming, and he needed the bare minimum. 
He walked outside the city to go looking for something and to Davin. This part, no doubt, is famous. A precious jewel came down in Hashemayim. He was overjoyed to be able to do the mitzvah of Enoch Shabbos properly. His son on the Shochani appeared as a Shabbos, and he had enough for that Shabbos. Daiva Heiser came home from, I guess here it's still Meishes, Evergreen, where I live, wherever you're. It's not a paid commercial, but he went shopping, but good. And he brought home packages and packages. The Rebbitzin never saw anything like that because they never had barely enough to eat, let alone enough to feed an army. And he walked in, and his Rebbitzin was quite shocked. Where is this from? It's Hashem's gift. And she knew they had nothing to their name. So she said, I really can't start eating unless I know where this came from. So he told her the story. This was given as a gift. I want you to give it back. It's a very, very, uh, we would call this heavy. Here we have a, hey, look at his rabbitson was uh, just as stark as we see. Maybe in this, maybe even more. And she didn't want any freebies. She to go up to the LMS and your, your uh, shulchan's going to be missing something. They couldn't agree, so they did what smart couples do. He went to his Rebbe. So he went to Rabbi Yudan Asi. Go and tell your good Rebbe, there's nothing to worry about. If there's anything missing in Olam Haba, I'm going to fill it in for my own schar. It's quite a magnanimous offer. So he went home and he told her. And the first time he went to Rebbe, obviously he went alone. Just ask him, Shiloh, come home with the answer. He came up with the answer. The answer is everything fine, but they have So she said, I want a second audience. I'm coming with you. I don't advise the women always do this. Just ask before you. Uh, she was able to uh, do this, and you'll see she was right at the end. They walk in, Amala Rebbe. I heard you told my husband that there's nothing to worry about. If anything's missing in the LMMs, you're going to fill it in. I have one question. Are you going to be able to see what chelik we have in Elam Haba? She's insinuating is that you're going to have your chelik, and we're going to have our chelik, and never the twain shall meet. And you're not going to be able to fill in because you're not going to see it. So you're not going to know that we need a fill in. So it's not going to work, and therefore I want to give back the diamond. Mepharshim asked on her kasha, Rebbe apparently gave in, and they gave it back. Mepharshim asked from a favorite shikamaram, Maram Babasra, Naman Ham and Aleph, 
where the Gemara says that in Olam Haba, Kalecha ve'echad Eisela Kash Baruch Chupa Lefik Everybody's going to have the room, the Chupa that they built from their mitzvahs and their Maisim Tevim. And Am Rab Chanina Kalecha ve'echad Nichve Mechupasa Shachavero. Everybody's going to get slightly burnt from the next door neighbor. Why are they going to get burnt? Oila Laisa Busha Oila Klima which seems to indicate the Pasha and the Gemara is they're going to get burnt because they are going to see what's going on with their neighbor, and they're going to feel, oh, I could have learned a little more, I could have done more mitzvahs, what a shaita I am. And they're going to feel burnt by the schar that their neighbor is getting. That Gemara seems to suggest pretty explicitly that you will see what's going on. So why don't she ask Rebbe Akashi, you're not going to see what's going on? So, so I brought down the Kachve or the following Pshat, which I think will speak to all of us. Kachve says that everybody has their own particular avoda in life, and everybody has their own pekel, and everybody has their own nesayin. Everybody has their mailas and chasrenis. Hashem Mechalafta had one maila in Ruchnius that Rabbi didn't have, not because he wasn't greater, Rabbi didn't have because he couldn't have it. And that is that Hashem Mechalafta learned Torah and did his Avedis Hashem with extreme poverty. Didn't have what to eat. Rabbi, as we all know, was one of the wealthiest people in the world. He used everything for his Avedis Hashem and for Klai Yisra, he wasn't missing anything to eat. So he suggests, the Gemara that says, you'll be nichve mechupasa shochavercha, means if you're in this section in Olam Haba with your friends, which makes sense, they're different sections, you'll be with the people who are basically on your level, more or less. You'll be with people who are in the parsha, who are in your parsha, and you had a chance to do what they did, and you see they learned an extra half hour a day, you're going to be burnt, you're going to feel terrible. Rebetzin Chalafta's Taina Terabi Danasi was that in this department of Lima we're going to be worlds apart. You're not going to be able to fill it in because you won't see us. She wasn't insinuating it's not greater. You're greater in every other category. But this is our Nisayin in life. And I can't give this away because this is our pickle. And you can't fill it in because you have no sheikhs to it. Incredible insight she had. And Rabbi Danasi agreed. The wonderful lesson of this medrash and this pshat is that kinah say from Tarbachachma, you should look at your chaverim and see what they're accomplishing. And if they write a bigger check, you should try to write a bigger check if you can. If they're learning more, you should try to learn more. And if they're doing more chesed, you should do more chesed. But you should also know there are certain things that are out of his league and certain things out of your league. And you have your avoda in this particular area and they don't. And if you're doing what you can, that's your chilek. You don't have to worry about what other people are accomplishing. I've had people in tell me, I'm, I'm giving tens of thousands of dollars a year. I said, that's gavaldic. That's a, no, most people can't do that. He said, yeah, I have a neighbor who's giving like twice that amount. So I said, well, how much does he make? He said, he makes about twice that amount. So I said, I don't understand the kasha. You're giving your maximum. He's giving his maximum. We all feel that we're missing something. This measure shows us that you want to daven to Kosh Baruch Hu, daven, not only you should uh, do well in the Nisayan, but daven that you should do well in the Nisayan that's specific to you and not miss the boat. 
That's difficult to do because we're so busy looking around at everybody else. A case in point, I don't usually quote too much Kabbalah in this year, and uh, I'm going to quote this from a secondary source, but it's a quote from the Arizal, probably uh, the words dressed up so we can understand them a little bit. The subject here happens to be the Avedis Hashem and the purpose in life that people have and are trying to accomplish together with their spouse. And this might come as a shock to some of you, but sometimes when people are married, they don't always get along so well. I notice some of you are fainting from that surprise. And uh, you're probably also aware that there are some people who haven't yet found the Azivu because every time they're going out, somehow they don't get along enough not to even get engaged. And it doesn't go easy, and it's not glut. And there's fighting and disagreements and different views on things. So what does the Arizal have to say about this? My disclaimer, this is not the only explanation. Because I know that uh, if any of you get to a fight with their spouse and they get home, you're going to tell her afterwards you're just a Gilgal. So, so please, remember the disclaimer. And uh, take it for what it is in terms of understanding there's more than life than must meet, meets the eye in our Vedas Hashem in our particular circumstance. It doesn't mean uh, Gilgul is not as common. Uh, Nitzitz is quite common. Uh, I hate to break the news to everybody, but we have no brand new neshamas. They're what we call, I guess, pre-owned neshamas. We don't want to say used. Uh, so um, a Nitzitz is when you take like a candle, you take another candle, you light it, then the neshama gets some of the properties. A Gilgul is not much the same neshama coming to fix something up. That's a lot more severe, a lot more challenging, especially since uh, Shem doesn't tell the Gilgul that he's a Gilgul. Uh, so whether you use this for Seder Gugum doesn't mean it's you, but the Arizal is trying to give you a, a vantage point on the situation. Sometimes a person has to come back, so his wife has to come back also. In order to fulfill his tachlis, so she's got to be here as well. It's an impetus for both spouses to behave. So now he's back in this world. He's trying to get married. It might not go so easily. There's a kitroy because he's back for the second time. It's not so easy. They want to stop the zivug because the Shemayim didn't want him to have his tikkun. You're all familiar with the Gemara in Saita discusses Kam Zivigrish and Kam Zivigshani. Very complicated, but Zivigrish and Zivigshani doesn't always have to mean the first wife and the second wife. It can mean the wife from a previous time and the wife from this time. It can mean others bring down also an Indian Alpikabola. There's a floating group of Zivugim, and it could be the first pick based on this Madrega and the second pick based on that Madrega. Very deep in Yonim. But Arizal says this could be what the Gemara is referring to in Zivik Sheni, Kihi Bazuga Mamish, Roxy Zivik Bey, Shaba, Pam Acha, Pam Acheres, Ide Gilgul. For love Armu, Kashal Azavim, Kakriyas Yamsuf. So he says, therefore, Tira Kambamim Nasa Zivik Bilti Katata, sometimes it goes glatin, sometimes it doesn't. I'm not saying this is always the Pshat. But it's important to know 
whether it be zchus avos or lack thereof, whether it be a previous life, whether it be last year's averas, whether it be yesterday's averas. You have to understand that on a personal level, a person's avodas Hashem is evolving in terms of what he has, he or she has to be masakin and what they have to deal with. And the fact that it's not so easy doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. I tell this to Bochum all the time when after a uh, fourth date, they come back and they tell me something totally startling which I never heard before, and that is the fourth date wasn't exciting, as exciting as the third and the second. And they were amazed. They, they come to me and say, Rabbi, did you ever hear such a thing? I said, no, first time. Imagine the fourth date. Like, it doesn't keep going in ascending order like that. I never heard of it. So he wants to know, like, why shouldn't this go glut? Like, why isn't this push it? The answer is, very few things are push it because we all have baggage, and we, if we don't have baggage, Hashem's going to send us some so we can grow. And the object here is not to shrink back and horror and say, obviously, it's not Pasher, that it's not for me. The purpose is to dive in more and to throw yourself into it and to see where you can make tikkunim to be able to sort of roll with the punches. The prize is well worth it. There's a Ron in the Durham. It's not well known. Just a few words, but I think it speaks volumes. And it goes back to what we could do with others, whether it be a spouse, whether it be parents, children, friends, what a we can have. If I would ask anybody here, what is the incredible accomplishment of Rachel, Rabbi Kiva's wife, and how did it come about? Why does she deserve the highest place in Olam Haba? So no doubt most of you would answer, well, she was Mesa Nefesh for so many years to be without a husband, basically, for 12 years, and then another 12 years, and they were so poor and she had nothing to eat, and she sent them off the yeshiva. And no doubt that schus is off the chart. The Ran on the Gemara with Rabbi Kiva in the Durham, when Rabbi Kiva makes his famous statement when the Tamidim were pushing her away and Rabbi Kiva said, leave her alone, shall leave shalachem shalohu. So if we were writing a parish, what would you say on shall leave shalachem shalohu? I would say she was most in effort all these years. Now she deserves the covet as a way for 24 years. That's not what the Ran says. The Ran says, Tarasi taraschem bishvilahi. Why? Unbelievable. Shanasnali eitzel amezel rav. She's the one who gave me the idea to go to yeshiva. Atkan is the run. That doesn't take away from all her mysterious nefesh in the 24 years of staying alone. It does show us that the mere suggestion, that card you handed to them, that suggestion you, that Vaitari gave them, the Roshim you made on them, and then it was the catalyst to something very great that all goes back to your account. A spouse can do that. A child can do it. Parents certainly have an obligation to do it. Friends can do it. And we convince ourselves that miani, mani, you know, gaiva is a terrible midah. And we all have to work on it. The only problem is the Yitzhara has us convinced that the only one place we're supposed to have gaiva in terms of believing in ourselves and our potential, that's when we start with the miani, mani, what can I do, what can I accomplish? I can't be mashpi on people. We live at a time, now Desla says this about Kana. Hannah was childless for many, many, many years. And she davened all those years, and it didn't work yet. Davening went to a good place, but it didn't get her a child yet. 
Desla says, a fascinating idea, he says, the reason why it worked now, besides the fact that the tefillahs out there have a number in Shemayim, how many you have to daven? It's because at this point in Klai Yisrael, there was a changing of the guard. They were changing over from the Shaftim to the period of the Molochim. And they needed leadership to get that going. And if you're familiar with the Gemara Barachas, when Chana Davin, she Davin Kulu Lashma. She said, I want a child that should be a leader in Klai Yisrael and should affect other Yidin and should help out Klai Yisrael. And the Klai Yisrael was in a very depressed state at that point in time. And that was her whole Shifa. Now, Desel says, you know, when the Tvila worked, it worked at that time when in Shemayim they decided there was going to be a changing in the guard and they were now going to go into a Tkuf for the Malachim and they needed a Shmuel Anavi to be able to be there to train and anoint the first king. And that's why it worked. Which means, besides the Trilas, if we have Siat Shmaya to have them at the right time and to be alive at the right time, we can make a tremendous Rashim. The Chavaz Chaim was known to have asked a very famous Kasha and a very famous Pesach. We know that the Pesach describes a Rav Chavetz Chaim wants to know, not going to be a raw for Lechem, it's not going to be a Tzama Lamayim. Sounds like good news. People are going to have a thirst, a hunger for Yiddishkeit for knowledge. So why is this in the middle of a Nevoah about all the horrible things going to be about Chavetz Chavaz Chaim said that he once he told over a Misa that he used to portray this point. He said he met a uh, a baker before the war, before World War One, and he asked the baker how Panasa was going. He said it's terrible. He says there's so much competition, mamish a fraction of a penny. It's so hard. The margins are so small. And they gave him a bracha. He should still have what to eat. He met him during the war. He said, Rebbe, business is unbelievable. Anybody who had access to the food chain made a lot of money because everybody was starving. And the markups and the margins were quite healthy. And the Chavaz Chaim says, that I believe is shot in the Pusik. There'll be a time where there'll be a tremendous hunger. That sounds good. But because there's such a hunger, people will make do with bran and with coarse bread and with anything they can get their hands on. It won't be the same level as it was when terror was being learnt at a time when people appreciated the value of terror. Chavaz Chaim did say that, but the Chavaz Chaim, I believe, would agree that despite the fact that it's not on the Madrega it used to be, there is Lamaisa a hunger, which means that when you have the ability to be mashpi and people and you, David HaKadosh Baruch Hu, help me with my issues and help me help others. If it's at a time right before the Gula, where every mitzvah and every person you bring aboard counts a huge amount because I'm lach masai. If you don't send out that lifesaver and bring them aboard again, whether they're not yet from or whether they're from and they're just not into their Yiddishkeit, you throw that lifesaver and you push them a little bit more at a time in Shemayim where they're looking to see which hands are on deck. Mi the gula is coming very soon. Who's going to be part of it? So like our Desla's Pshat and Hanan or Tvila, even if your Tvila's were not on the level they should have been, but they're going to go a lot further because now is the time where Hashem wants us to be getting everybody aboard. 
It's a very, very interesting pick at the Rebelezer. Pick at the Rebelezer talks about Reish Lakish's early days. We know Reish Lakish is a Baal Tshuva. Machlik is actually Rishainim, whether he was from and he was off, and then he became from again, and whether he was a complete Baal Tshuva. Pick at Rebelezer tells us in one short paragraph that he had a very lucrative business going with his two friends. They had a gang of highwaymen, Reish Lakish and his two friends. And I'll read to you the Lushen. Every night they went to the crossroads. Anybody had the misfortune of walking by would be accosted by Rishlokish and his friends. They would take his money, bring the loot back to the cave, and they became quite wealthy. It was a very lucrative operation. Ma'asa. This went on for a while, and um, all of a sudden, the Pickard Rebelezer reports, he decided that this is not a very nice panasa for a good Jewish boy. Ma'asa, hiniach l'shnei re'ev sheddim baharam, he left his two friends back in the cave. V'shav le'lokei avib chaliboi b'tzayim etfila, and he became a Valchuva, he davened, and he learned. We know that he met Rabbi Yechon, Rabbi Yechon offered him his sister, Came to learn the Rebbeach and the Yeshiva, and the rest, as they say, was history. Okay, so far we know the story. Reish Lakish became a Talmud Muvik, a Talmud Chavar, Rabbi Yechonon, married his sister. One interesting point, not the point I want to get to, is it's pretty, sounds pretty clear that. Um, he didn't go back to the cave to be Makai of his friends. Everything we've been talking about today, that's a little bit odd. Maybe he did. It doesn't sound like he did. I think the lesson over here is that people who you got along with well and you're close with them, you got to know yourself. Certainly in the early years, maybe he went back later, it could be they were more of a danger to his growth. And he felt certainly initially he couldn't go back. Perhaps he went back later. Surprising fact is at the end of this pick at the Rabbi Lezer. Tells us a piece of information which sounds extraneous, but we know nothing is extraneous in a medrash. But Yem Shames, many decades later when Mishlokish died, Mesu Shnei Reyav Hashaydedim Baharim. These two pals he left in the mountain were still there. They continued their life of crime, made a billion dollars. They never left. And the same day, could be 50, 60 years later, they died, Rish Lakish died the same exact day. And the Medjus draws the contrast with the Neshamas went. He went to Elam Habo, and Nebuch Shnei Rea Bishol Tachtias, and they went to Gehenim. Let me ask you an obvious question. What's the simple shot here in the uh, Pekadar Beleza? Why is it letting us know that uh, at the same yard site, when we serve Ayakichel and Schnapps, so we should have them all in mind. Like, what's the, Ladari Darius, what's the purpose? First part, we understand Rish Lakish's tshuva. What's the purpose of knowing that they died the same day? So I saw some bring down a very interesting idea. We know that when people have the same mazel, they're born at the same time, they have the same timeline, same lifespan, it shows that they had the same kechus and the same abilities. We know they did because they were close friends, which means they had similar likes and dislikes. They had a similar outlook on life. 
They were very close. Pasha says that they had similar, besides the character traits, similar potential, similar IQ. And yet we see Reish Lokish became an Amira, and they stayed being gangsters. So what happened over here? This is the part that nobody's comfortable with. If I take the men back to yeshiva, take the women back to high school and seminary, so you look at friends that you had then, and let's assume everybody here was in the middle of the class for argument's sake, and you looked at people who were excelling then, what did you tell yourself? Most people say that the reason they're excelling and I'm only mediocre is because they were born with better brains. They're able to sit more. They have better yichus. They come from a more family. We gave ourselves in our years in yeshiva many excuses. I think what the Pekka Dabaleza here is saying is wants to portray a typical case where you have three friends, very similar, same outlook, same opportunities, same timeline in life, died the same day. And look what happened. Reish Lokish was doing the same exact thing they were, and he woke up and he thought about life, and he said, you know what? It's quite possible if I push harder, I can accomplish more. Not because I'm smarter, not because I'm richer, not because I have more yichus. Takes away all the excuses. We walk around our whole lives, not only issues, sometimes we, we fool ourselves for many, many decades. The reason he's better at it is because he's more equipped that's not necessarily the case. Often, the person who's better in any area of ruchnius is because it means more to them and they're more focused and they're pushing harder. That means they're learning more musr and that means they're learning the beauty, the ava, and the yirashamayim of what's involved. And the difference between Rish Lokish and his friends was not what came in. It's the fact that he was able to focus and realize what the emphasis is. The Pashida reality is that we have very little time left to the Gulish Lema. And I said before, I, for argument's sake, everybody here is mediocre. Anybody coming to listen to six drushas on Tishabov in my book is at the top of their class. We're dealing with a very, very Chashav Eilam. The job left to us is to make sure that the 100,000 million five million, ten million people that aren't focused on growing and shayurim and learning and chesed somehow get with the program. And the Chavz Chaim says the reason why there's a hunger is because everything's watered down. That might be true. So it's watered down. It's watered down. But zema shayesh. If it's watered down, you can turn it on pretty easily because all you have to do is give them something. That's how hungry they are. And I think if we had to describe our job the people who spent many years in yeshiva and in Beis Yaakov, the people who went to seminary, the people who got a chance to learn, it's up to them to have it spill over, spill over to encouraging their spouses, their children, their friends, their business associates. It's a chiv to do something with the kachas and the power and the education that we have. And I'm saying it to a chashavolim here, Torah Conferencing Network, I don't know where they are, but they're in all sorts of cities, but anybody sitting wherever you are in America, 
if you came at Tisha B'Av and it's four in the afternoon and you're hungry and you're tired and you're listening to a drasha, that means you're a superstar. And if you're a superstar, it comes with an achrayis. And that achrayis is to deal with the nisyanis, to realize it's catering to you, to realize it's for your particular avoid in life, and to not let it get you down, not let it get you depressed, to push forward and not only convince yourself to be enthusiastic, but to give it to others as well. If we do that amidst Hashem, we're living the tkufa where Hashem is looking for these extra schusim. Hashem wants to give it to us. Hashem wants to give it to us now because in a very short time, it's going to be irrelevant. It's going to be too late. Mitzvah Hashem will seize the opportunity now and will be among those who are able to say they did it for themselves, they did it for others, they did it for strangers, they did it for family. Not much. I got the other speaker. We'll speak out that.